like in the last few years, the snowstorms we got brought snow to northern Mecklenburg County. But if you lived in South Charlotte, maybe south of Interstate 85, it always seemed like we got more rain, maybe some icing than we did snow. If I take the tape measure and take a look here, we got a good solid three inches of snow here. Just how far south would that cold air come? And by this point in the day, you probably know it didn't make it very far south here into the Charlotte area. 10 o'clock hour, uh, it is really snowing pretty hard now. This is the uh, heaviest we've seen the snow. Our roads are very treacherous out here. Uh, snow covered roadways everywhere. We've seen a lot of stranded vehicles. Here in Morganson, we've surpassed the foot of snow. Last measurement, about 13 inches, and the snow continues to fall. Good morning. You're watching live coverage from the Carolina Weather Group. It is 117 May the 30th, 2018. It is a Wednesday morning. James Brierton live with you from Charlotte, North Carolina. Right now, we are looking at a camera in Marion, North Carolina. Things looking relatively calm with this camera is positioned in, Mar in, in Marion, but just north of there, we have a very serious situation unfolding. This is the map right here of the evacuations of uh, Lake Tahoma. The community is just south there in McDowell County. Uh, and all of this is unfolding here because of uh, what is now confirmed as a Tier 1, a Code Red situation there at the lake. A landslide has been confirmed on one side of the dam, uh, which has compromised the structure of the dam. Uh, what do these colors mean? Again, anything over purple is more than 6 inches. I'm seeing some whites in there, and what that means is it's just broken the scale. There's not even a color to represent how much rain has fallen. 8 o'clock is when we first started hearing reports of uh, evacuations going on, a lot of flooding taking place. Um, a little bit after that, we, we got a call into EOC of a, a motor vehicle crash up on um, Interstate 40. And that turned out to be that rock slide or mudslide up there. Uh, there was some cars that, um, that were caught in that. People were... Uh, fortunately, they, they weren't hurt, you know, they, they were able to, to get out of that without any injuries, which is an amazing thing. Uh, and then after that, uh, there was a couple more mudslides in, in the Old Fort community, and one of those mudslides was the, uh, the cause of the DOT truck being pushed into the, uh, the flooded river, where we had to do swift water rescues there. And then we started getting reports of uh, downtown Old Fort being flooded, and, um, and then we got a report of flooding along the Catawba River, which runs throughout the county. Uh, then we got the report that the Tahoma, Lake Tahoma was um, above flood stage. We set these criteria, and uh, it was way above that. And then there was a landslide and uh, afraid that the integrity was compromised of the dam. And so uh, that alerted us to do the evacuations, which the civil emergency happened. So if this dam does break, you know, there's going to be numerous people without homes. Uh, we don't know how they're all out of there. So, um, you know, I, I came back here in my office and I, I called my family and, and to let them know what was going on. And uh, I was on the verge of breaking down because I, I felt so helpless. You know, here, here this thing's about to happen and I don't know how to help people, you know, uh, because of the situation that's going on. And so um, that was stressful. And, um, uh, it was hard to deal with because I've never had to deal with that. Now, I remember uh, the first time we actually flew during a storm. Um, we were in where? Uh, it was Oklahoma. Yes, yeah, Medicine Medicine Park, Oklahoma. Yeah, and uh, 
So we're all, you know, amped up on adrenaline, right? We finally get one of these drones in the air we've been talking about for two years and we're flying towards uh, what looked to be a pretty formed tornado. It was coming up over this mountain ridge and it was going towards a lake and it kind of petered out once it got there. But, you know, it was our first, like, get our feet wet, right? And so that was, that was great. So we turn around, we have no idea where we are. We still have this little grainy image of the camera on our screen. So I'm trying to get back to the truck. Um, trying to navigate within four miles of just field. There's no landmarks, there's no nothing. So, uh, and we ended up putting it in a field. So right before we crashed, Nolan had a good idea to take a camera, just a normal camera that we had in the truck, and film the screen, so the image that I was seeing. So when we crashed, we lost all connection with the drone, and we still had Nolan's uh, video camera. It's like four bushes and a stick. Yeah. Like our... <laughs> landmarks. Yeah, and, and he was able to overlay that on Google Earth, and I kid you not, we walked right to the drone. Everybody has to be a lot better at communicating. Uh, we make so many assumptions about what we're thinking, whether it translates out through our voices. Uh, I'm, I try to be really conscious of people who are, for example, I'm a Yankee working in a southern market. Uh, so things to me, a pecan. Growing up, we ate pecans, but here it's pecans, and there's a big difference. Uh, so just regional differences in pronunciation. Uh, also, when it comes to weather, something like a, a shower. A shower in Seattle is different from a shower in Tampa, just based on the climatology of the weather. So I, 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 I tell my students, don't take anything for granted. Assume that people just don't know anything about what you're talking about and make it make sense to someone who's in the fifth grade, someone who's in high school, someone who's retired. Um, break down all that jargon that we love to talk about and just make it super simple. Give us the, let's, let's get the real information. Tell us why we shouldn't really worry about Yellowstone and the fearful of these huge super volcano or something that we've been hearing about. Yeah, so the term supervolcano in itself causes a lot of trouble because it, when people think supervolcano, they think, okay, well, super is the only thing that this volcano does, but a supervolcano is only a volcano that is capable of producing these really large um, scale eruptions. Now, Yellowstone has produced around three of those in recent history, and by recent, I mean hundreds of thousands of years because we're talking about um, geologic time scales but much more frequently are just lava flows and steam eruptions. So if Yellowstone was to erupt tomorrow, which it probably won't because we've seen no signal like that at all, um, it would be a lava flow or a steam eruption. Those are the most likely scenarios. I believe this was the year after you become the chief there at KOCO. Uh, and this one really had effects on you because on May 20th, you know, you're, you're doing severe weather coverage, but you're also communicating with your wife because this, this EF5 tornado is, is almost in your neighborhood. May 20th, and look at the, the information and the dry line is pretty much just a little bit farther west of Oklahoma City. I kissed my wife at the time, you know, it was just my wife and I and our dogs. We didn't have a child at the time, and I, I kissed her goodbye and I said, hey, you know, um, might be a long day. So at about noon, <clears throat> I sent her a text message and I said, Hey, you probably want to go home early today. Storms are going to go up about one, two, three o'clock. You don't want to be on the roads when these storms are going up. Suddenly a storm's going up and we're in our coverage. And I looked down and 
my wife had just sent me a text message and she said, Hey, uh, you know, what's going on? And I, at this point, the storm's already, you know, hooking up and I'm like, get home now. And so she's going home. I'm on air. This huge tornado is happening. And suddenly I get another text message from her and she says, I'm trying to race home really fast. I can see the tornado behind me. And this tornado is coming right into our neighborhood. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm freaking out off camera because I'm not knowing, you know, whether or not, uh, you know, my wife is going to make it or if my house is still going to be there. But I knew that I can't freak out on television. If the meteorologist is freaking out, how are you supposed to stay calm, you know? Well, I didn't hear from her for a little while. And as a matter of fact, the very first time that I actually heard her voice was live on air. Um, I gave my phone to my general manager and I said, get my wife on the phone. And, uh, and she went on air and she's like, it looks like a war zone in our neighborhood. Uh, you know, there's, there's no way that you can ever prepare yourself for how to handle yourself on television when there's a natural disaster happening, you know, whether it's an EF5 tornado or a hurricane. Good evening from Charlotte. It is September 9th, 2018, just past the 9 o'clock Eastern hour. I'm James Brierton, and thank you for joining the Carolina Weather Group. We have team coverage tonight. We have Scotty Powell in the foothills from Charleston, South Carolina. We have Shay and Jared, and of course, we have Chris Jackson joining us. You know, prepare now and prepare for the worst. I'm really glad people heeded the warning, and at least in the in the Grand Strand area that I've seen, have have, have got out you know got out of town. I do want to say uh, we have a few guests on with us tonight. We have uh, Chief Meteorologist Jason Boyer from the WLOS. In Asheville, North Carolina. We also have uh, Chief Meteorologist Bill Washon from it from News Five in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, we did want to bring Ashley in. She is actually an insurance broker for Lake Marion Insurance Agency in Manning, South Carolina. It's Brad Panovich with WCNC in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Let's bring in Daniel Bonds. Uh, he works in Columbia, South Carolina for the Tegna affiliate. Bring in uh, Christian uh, Schmidt here. He is uh, actually in Charlotte, North Carolina tonight. A lot of folks are seeking shelter away from the coast. Uh, they're going to these shelters, and, and Christian is is there working with. Uh, we want to bring in Chris Jackson right quick. Chris, uh, you've been traveling all day. Uh, you're actually getting to see some of the first-hand experiences of what's going on with Florence and Myrtle Beach. Left out of Columbia about uh, just before noon today and uh, took the senior crowd down here. Uh, came through the town of Nichols Thursday night after our show. Uh, was staying oceanfront down in Myrtle Beach where a bunch of uh, press and media meteorologists were. And uh, I, you know, I laid down uh, about midnight, and the wind just howled, and the wind howled, and it howled some more, and, and it was so deafening loud. I mean, at one point, the uh, I, I was laying down, I was like, "Does it feel like the hotel swaying?" And, I, and you know, the only way that I figured it out, I'm like, I walked in the bathroom, I looked in the you know the toilet bowl, and the water sloshing back and forth. I'm like, "Well, there you go. Yep, okay. It wasn't real bad. Uh, maybe until about noon, one o'clock." You know, once the eye, you know, real or you know, the center wasn't really much of an eye at that point. I started across the South Carolina line. You know, we got within maybe 10 miles, 20 miles. You know, the winds really picked up. Started getting some pretty, pretty good little gusts down Cherry Grove. You know, you know, some of the wind gusts we got were pretty significant. All the damage I saw was pretty light. Actually, you know, really impressed with some of the construction down there. I did see a bunch of uh, shingles, gutters, and uh, uh, vinyl siding, things of that nature, all over the road. I noticed that once the winds came around out of the southwest, the, the marsh side, uh, you know, for those that are familiar, there's a little bit of a marsh on the backside of Cherry Grove. You know, the, the water in the marsh came up about two feet in about 30 minutes. And I, I was actually sitting right there watching and 
seeing that along with the roads that were already flooded and you know knowing the situation at hand that in 20 inches of rain you know was possible i made a decision going just i just left just the crazy wind that you're experiencing yeah the uh the, the wind coming home last night was unreal. The drive home from Conway was you know, incredible. A ton of rain, I mean, just blinding rain. You know, I, I drove for about an hour and a half in solid tropical storm force, maybe even gusting close to hurricane force winds. And there were literally tops of trees flying across the road for most of the drive. Uh, wasn't the safest drive I've ever made in my life, but you know, it was a decision I made, so I made to stick with it and just took my time. You know, the city of Ainer had, a, you know, the stoplights were just hanging through the middle of the intersection. You know, especially the area 501 between Gallivan's and area and saw a bunch of tree damage. Um, Newburgh, North Carolina, probably the one of the hardest hit communities in North Carolina from Florence. Uh, we've got some numbers, 360 people have been rescued so far, about 140 are still needing to get rescued uh, per NBC News. So uh, still a very serious situation unfolding in Newburgh. The surge came up last night, reached about 10 feet, according to a USGS gauge. Some unofficial reports as well across the town showed that it could be closer to 13 feet, which would have eclipsed any previous surge that they've seen in New Bern. You had sent in some video that you wanted to share with our viewers yep. tonight. I believe you shot this in Surf City during Florence. Can you walk us through what it is that we're looking at here? So this GoPro ran for about 23 hours, set it up Thursday afternoon early, and this is Surf City, North Carolina. This is the first time anybody has seen this video, actually. Uh, we were not able to retrieve it and get it out to the world in time, and then Michael happened. So here it is, debuting live. Um, that is storm surge coming over the dune there in Surf City. The GoPro did fantastic. It reported just as it should have, um, you know, high definition in 720p. Now we can do it at 1080, it's even better. Um, and that surge takes out the dunes, the waves do one at a time, one wave at a time, until finally the dunes are gone. Just an amazing perspective stuck there on that utility pole. Uh, you know, there's hardly any vibration or anything, and to document without having to be there, there's no way any storm chaser can film something like this. And it's not an indictment against us. You know, we're all included. Who's going to do that? You can't. It's not possible. This is how you do it. And you can do it in several places at once if you have enough equipment and enough time to set it out. So a remarkable achievement, a testament to the technology that exists already. And now we get to see something uh, and the process. That's what's so important, the science behind it. Behind, after the ooh and ah of what you're seeing, there is science here that can help the National Hurricane Center Storm Surge Unit, public awareness, you name it. This is a great tool and it worked. I know Chris is wanting to jump in, but I just wanted to say, it's really hard to capture what storm surge is, but this video is just the perfect example of why it's so dangerous. If you live right there on the coast of, uh, I know you was able to fly a mission, uh, some missions into Florida. It was a tropical storm for our first flight, and then we caught its rapid reintensification all the way up to a category four once again. Um, this was a, a great data set that we were able to collect for research purposes, but we were also able to get that information into the forecast models, to the National Hurricane Center. There's individual rotations going on, so that, that's a, it's a really unique feature. Yeah. It shows very powerful winds going on. That's, that's a sign of a very powerful hurricane or a super typhoon in the Western Pacific. But we haven't had one like this in a very long time.
James Briarton, along with Scotty Powell, Chris Jackson, all in the same place together because we are here in Gastonia, North Carolina for the Weatherproof event. Uh, I see you have got two soda bottles and some blue water in it. We do. What What is going on there? So you, all you do is flip it over, give it a spin. One of the most important ingredients in the atmosphere to form a tornado. There we go. And there we go. We've actually almost a wedge tornado I was going to say, that's, that's, a, pretty that's one, a pretty good one. Parents, just make sure you, before you give that a spin that it's securely fastened. Exactly. Maybe outside to <laughs> test might be the best, uh, best way to start this or in the garage instead of on the carpet. But one of the biggest advantages of this system is yeah, you probably know the days that we had live trucks and you had to go park a live truck somewhere and you had to put a pack 70 feet up in the air to be able to go live. Well, now with the advent of digital and phones, we can go live through a cellular signal. You'll notice that we've got HD cameras mounted on the roof. Step out of here just a little bit. You can see that it's a 360-degree uh, pan-tilt camera that can be operated remotely from inside the vehicle to give us an HD camera view. We've got a lipstick HD camera mounted here on the dashboard with a light so when we're in here live, it actually has a light on you to get a good picture. That's you know, it's two lane back roads and uh, what I noticed in Alabama was they have a really... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's the ghost of James Bright. <laughs> I. Somebody's got the Uber call on. on my friends. Yes, I'm waiting on this conference call. <laughs> Carolina Weather Group, where if it will go wrong, it will go wrong. It comes to us from our friends at WeatherStem. They're launching eight new remote weather observation and camera systems in South Carolina this week. We met up with them just yesterday in Rock Hill. That's some of the video you're looking at here. Their fleet of weather station and cameras produce data 24-7. It's free and available to the public, so you're going to be seeing it in the coming months right here on the Carolina Weather Group. We're very excited about that. They're going to have new observations coming online from places like Greenville, Columbia, and more. Uh, the units are being launched in partnership between WeatherStem, South Carolina Educational Television, and the University of Florida College of Journalism, WeatherStem being a company that got its start in Florida. Uh, so we're very happy uh, to see the uh, expansion of their system here to the Carolinas. Uh, they had a few units, and they're going to have eight more by the time the week is done. Like I mentioned, we're going to be using some of their data on air here on the Carolina Weather Group, and I want to show you what their webpage looks like. They've already got some of their new locations reporting. Here is a look at that Rock Hill station as it's online tonight. 36 degrees and clear. Visibility, 10 miles, which is fabulous. And you can see that camera there on the South Carolina Educational Television Transmitter as well, too, pre uh, presenting us with an image tonight. I want to say thank you to all of you folks who have watched um, this year and the past couple of years. Um, you know, we wouldn't be doing this without you all. I want to thank all of our guests who have joined us this year. Um, you know, we, we appreciate them uh, setting aside a few minutes of their busy life to come set with us and to give us great interviews and uh, I want to thank our panelists here um, all of this uh, would not be uh, would not be able to happen without without them so big thank you to to Ricky Matthews and Che Gibson and Jared Smith and Melissa Griffin and James Briarton Peter Plenamente Chris Jackson 
um, Eric Perseus, um, all those folks who have joined us this year. Um, just a big thank you uh, from my bottom of my heart. And uh, just so appreciate you all watching. And we're excited for 2019. So just let me uh, give you a sneak peek of who's coming in 2019. Uh, we start off the year on January 9th talking with Pat Warner. He is the master control officer at Waffle House Storm Center. If you've ever heard of the Waffle House Index or uh, the Waffle House Storm Center uh, that's been mentioned throughout the uh, hurricane season this year, Pat's in there. And so he's going to be joining us on the uh, 9th of January to talk to us about what they do. We will be back with more live shows in January. We will be a presence throughout the holidays. If there's severe weather information, we need to relay it to you. We will be on the air. Very safe and happy holiday. And to you and yours at home as well, too. Good night.